Good morning, everyone. This is Larry Kay from Chicago, and welcome to uh, a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 14th, 2016. Uh, the share ID code for Friday, February 12th, is 8458. That's 8458. This morning, A Vision for You presents Daily Diligence, Making Steps 10 and 11 Come Alive. You know, once we, we've navigated through the first nine steps and, and had the beginning of a spiritual transformation, we, we need a mechanism to remain in fit spiritual condition and stay on this beam of recovery. Of course, if, if the main object, uh, the main purpose of this, this big book is to find a power greater than myself, which is going to solve my problem, and, and the first nine steps provide the, the, the springboard for this to occur, what now? I mean, how do we maintain what has been established? Well, what if I could find a, a spiritual way to ensure that those toxic emotions do not rise to the level of toxicity, uh, you know, to bring the necessary power to bear on the challenges in my life, where I no longer need the food to make life livable for me? You see, we must find a spiritual way of life or, or else I will die in the food. The maintenance steps allows us to remain alive, emancipated from the food. We have a means by which to, to stay on this broad highway. The twist of the mind it, it no longer will be activated by toxic emotions. Now we choose you know, to change, to grow, to adapt uh, you know, for a lifetime. And this morning, I welcome Scotty Kay from New York to share with us. Scotty is a loyal and, and trusted servant of Overeaters Anonymous. So it's my pleasure to welcome Scotty Kay to the line. Scotty? Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me okay? I can, Scotty. Thanks so much. Terrific. Good morning, everybody. My name is Scotty. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from New York City. And um, thanks to my higher power, who I choose to call God, Thanks to our incredible fellowship and, of course, this wonderful big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I haven't found it necessary to compulsively overeat or act out on my food behaviors um, or take that, that one compulsive, that one more bite um, and in 12 years and 11 months, uh, a couple days ago. So March 6th will be 13 years of back-to-back -back abstinence. For that, I'm incredibly grateful. And... Um, Excuse me. Um, let's see. And uh, I'm currently maintaining about a 270, actually, no, it's 280-pound weight release. Um, you know, and I, I always say a lot of the same jokes over and over again. Um, you know, just kind of the way that I was, uh, it, the way that just it just made sense for me. So I never, you know, when I say jokes, I mean, when, whenever I'm describing myself or, you know, doing things, I always do it in a certain way. So one of the things I always say at this point in my qualifications is that I never say I've lost weight, ever, ever, never. Because what happens when we lose something? We typically want to find it, right? Well, I don't. <laughs> I do not want to find this weight that, uh, that my higher power has taken away from me and healed me. Um, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous since uh, June 6th of 1991, and uh, I will be 46 in a couple of weeks, actually. So I've, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous longer than I haven't been in Overeaters Anonymous. I came in as a 21-year-old, and I've been here, as you can do the math, 
Um, I've been here for 26 years. Oh, excuse me, almost 25 years. My, my numbers are all over the place. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I, I, if you listen to any of this before the meeting, I actually nodded off on my couch um, and woke up two minutes before I'm talking right now. So uh, I'm just you know, saying a little prayer to myself just to uh, relax. So I think what I'm going to do just to, just to uh, get centered is I'm going to uh, say the third step prayer. And, you know, I love the third step prayer um, for me because, you know, it, it's, just, it, it's just a way, you know, the steps three through, you know, today we're going to be discussing steps 10 and 11. But steps, you know, step three, that third step prayer in the big book, really, and there's no amen after that prayer on page 63 in the middle of the page. And a lot of people ask, why isn't there an amen? And why is there an amen after the seventh step prayer on page 76? And it's really, I feel like, because I look at steps, you know, three through nine, really, as, as sort of a boot camp. And we'll, we'll talk about that today, the idea of, of going, to, uh, going to addict boot camp and finding a higher power is the goal, uh, finding and connecting with a higher power and getting the things that have blocked us from this higher power out of the way so that we can live that happy, joyous, and free life that the big book does promise us. So, you know, when I say I'm going to say the third step prayer, you guys can join along with me. Please do not unmute because this is a recorded line and we just want to keep everything um, uh, mainstreamed, um, streamlined, I can't even think. So, but in any case, so if you are having problems with your concept of a higher power, that's definitely something we're going to discuss today, of course, as we're discussing steps 10 and 11. And higher power is a big part of every single step, but especially step 11, that's what it's all about. So if you're having issues finding, you know, connecting with a higher power, feel free to borrow mine. Um, you know, we'll be on the phone this morning for a couple of hours uh, between my, my talk this morning, questions and answers. Of course, I'm going to get my phone number. So you can feel free to borrow my higher power and keep them uh, as long as you need to. So, but for right now, I'm going to start off by saying God. I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power and thy love and thy way of life and may I do thy will always. And, you know, that, that right then and there immediately just centered me. And, um, you know, I, another thing we're going to talk about today is, is the notion and the whole idea of prayers. And one of the things I'm not a huge, huge fan of is prayers that are like pre-written, you know, third step prayer, seventh step prayer, 11 step prayer, serenity prayer, um, set aside prayer. You know, I'm not a huge, huge fan um, in groups and, or even doing it freestyle with, with uh, sponsees. I'm not a gigantic fan of doing prayers just like I, I just did. Um, except for the fact that this morning, you know, a lot of us, uh, I'm guessing, are new to program. Uh, we, I always get it just funny after I talk. It just always seems that a lot of newcomers found their way that morning. So I'm just grateful that Higher Power gave me, you know, what to say because if it was up to me, you know, it'd be a mess. And only my Higher Power um, has it, it has given me that gift to be able to share this stuff in in a reasonably intelligent manner. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan of, of freestyle prayers, of prayers that are just open-ended and we talk. You know, it's, so, you know, and 
but the bottom line is, is that connecting with this power greater than ourselves is the entire, it's the entire focus of the program. If you look at the 12 steps and the way that they're written, and I know you guys, a lot of you guys have heard me before. Um, you know, I do a bunch of these, at least two or three a year um, for the last three years or so. And um, the, the key for me is to uh, connect with that higher power, is to just go on a different plane and, and get out of lower power. Um, so, you know, what's the difference? Well, my lower power is what has been driving me my whole life um, before Ogre is Anonymous and, of course, through any sort of relapse. It's when Scott's running the show. And when Scott's running the show, it, things don't usually go as planned. Um, things usually end up falling apart because I always set myself up for disaster. And so when I'm listening to my lower power, then I know that I'm in trouble. And I start paying that price like little dominoes starting to fall. And those dominoes get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's just too late. So, you know, the, the key is to just keep it green. Um, and to, you know, when I say keep it green, I, I basically mean keep it fresh. Keep it, you know, just as if, as if I'm, I'm a brand newcomer. You know, I, I've been in sales my whole, uh, my, my whole business career and, you know, different level sales, some, you know, door-to-door sales for different things and other things, multi-million dollar, you know, projects. And, um, you know, the, the big piece to, to that is, is just that, um, um, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, the words aren't coming to me, so I'm just going to relax and, and move forward. I apologize. I'm all over the place. So I'm just, uh, I, I, all right, I'm going to stop apologizing and just move forward with this. Um, so step 10 and step 11. Step 10 says continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And step 11 says sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So those, these two steps um, are, are discussed in our big book between pages 84 and 88. And that's going to be where I'm going to be focusing on for most of the day, uh, most of the talk. And um, the, the main but before we can actually get to those steps, we need to discuss the previous steps. I need to tell you guys a little bit about me. So in case you don't know me, you can actually see that, um, you know, I, I kind of I have some experience with this stuff and, you know, have some great tips and tricks about it. So, all right. Here's the story. I, I you know, I came into Overeaters Anonymous, like I said, at 21 years old. I was your run-of-the-mill uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, it, was, uh, it was 1991, and uh, there were no cell phones. You know, there was no internet. Uh, I had no clue what a serving size was. My top weight coming into program was about 460 pounds. My um, uh, my top total weight, and this is after relapse um, that I suffered uh, the late 1990s to the early 2000s. My top top weight was 508 pounds. And, you know, when they say we have a progressive disease, it's absolutely true. So, let's see. Um, my first compulsive overeating memory was when I was eight years old. And I, I know it's eight years old, give or take, um, because I look at school pictures. 
and my third grade pictures when I was eight years old, I started getting heavy. When I was, and if you look at my second grade pictures, I'm really small. And then, of course, it started getting heavier and heavier and heavier as, as the years progressed. So the first memory of compulsive overeating was me get, coming home from school. Something happened at school. I brought a note home. My mother hit me and yelled at me. She typically smacked me across the face. Um, and I was basically, I was slapped and I, and I just ran away. You know, I ran, didn't run away. I, I ran out of the room that I was in after she hit me. I ran to the refrigerator, grabbed an orange, ran into my bedroom, ripped it apart as humanly possible. And what, what happened was something happened with that orange. Now, it's weird because, you know, oranges are, are, part, of my, are part of my food plan today. Um, and, but back then, in 1991, as an eight-year-old child, that orange did something for me that nothing else ever did. It took away the physical pain of the slap. It took away the embarrassment of being yelled at and, and hit by my mother in front of other people. Um, it, it, it gave me a feeling of inertia. Um, it gave me a feeling of, of power. And I felt like a god at that very moment. And like any good drug... I then turned around and used that same drug over and over again to try to recreate the, that incredible feeling. And as any drug addict, you know, or addict in general will tell you, it's, it's impossible, almost impossible, to, to recreate that first major high that got you hooked. And, you know, to this day, I still haven't found anything. Um, and thank God I've, I've given up looking for today. Uh, maybe tomorrow, but, you know, we'll figure that out tomorrow. But right now, I'm, I'm done looking. And um, so, so for me, the, the key to the whole thing is that, uh, you know, Bill, in Bill's story, Bill Wilson, as, we, as most of us know, was the primary author of uh, the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and its first 164 pages, plus Roman numerals and the forwards and the doctor's opinion, that basically describes the entire program of recovery. And he talked about on page eight, you know, on page, he, he talks, about, he, he goes through his story and he, he goes through it pretty, you know, linear. And he talks about the idea of keeping alcohol by the head of his bed that he'll need it before he even gets out of bed. You know, the, that kind of low bottom that he had. Um, I, I can sort of describe a similar feeling. Well, if you look at a mathematical chart, and you just look at numbers from left to right, and in the center you have zero, all the way to the left you have negative 10, all the way to the right you have positive 10, all right? I'm sure most of you are following me. If not, just call me and we'll go over it um, afterwards whenever. So when I was eight years old and ran into that refrigerator after getting abused by my mother and, and, and just, you know, wolfed it down and then just moved forward with the rest of my day, I was living life on zero, and I needed to compulsively overeat or act out with food to bring me up to positive 10, right? Well, by the time I found Overeaters Anonymous in 1991 as a 21-year-old, or by the time I came out of relapse at 33, um, and of course, you know, like I said, in, in a few weeks, it'll be 13 years of back-to-back -back abstinence, I, um, I was living life on negative eight or negative nine and needed to compulsively overeat just to bring me up to zero. Um, I hope that makes sense. 
Um, without that immediate feedback, you know, of a face-to-face meeting and watching people's eyes or their head nod up and down, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure it, it makes sense. So, you know, that's that's kind of how my my disease was. You know, the big book talks about we have a um, uh, we have a disease that that does not get any easier with time. Um, and it's a progressive illness. It's a progressive disease, and. For me, it's always been that way whenever I've fallen off the wagon, you know, quote unquote, and been through a relapse. Um, I, and I always think I can get myself out of it back in the day when I when I really just thought I, I knew it all. Um, I, I really thought that I can get myself out of it and just stop compulsively overeating or just maybe not have sugar, but eat whatever I want or binge or do whatever. I, you know what I mean? It's all those games that we play with ourselves. Um, I, I always discovered, and I finally quickly discovered for the for the last time, a day at a time, that it's a progressive illness and it always gets worse. It never gets better. And so, the uh, of course, the the most major part of our entire program is the spiritual connection that we get and we feel. And the the six of our twelve steps mention God. Steps two, three, five, six, seven, and eleven all mention him, God, higher power. And of course, step 12 talks about a spiritual awakening. And to me, I looked at this and I was scared to death. I was scared to death because when I came into the program, I, I had no idea what, what any sort of, I had no idea what the program was. And a lot of you have heard me tell my story about how my brother found Overeaters Anonymous through rehab um, and multiple rehabs that he was in for anorexia and bulimia. Well, I took, you know, I, I was quote unquote the normal child in my home. You know, I, 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 was, I was 460 pounds of being a normal child. And my brother was anorexic and bulimic and would fall in the street because he had no electro, electrolytes in his body because everything he ate, he got rid of or else he would just not eat for days and days and days at a time. So um, after he got out of his seventh rehab in two years, he went, you know, he just, it just got so bad that he, they just kept perpetually rehabbing him. And after he came out of his seventh rehab, that rehab actually gave him a list of Overeaters Anonymous meetings. So of course, um, I was tasked to bring him to his meetings or show him how to get there, because again, he's developmentally disabled on top of being anorexic and bulimic. So I, I was tasked to send him to his first meeting, which I, I saw it, I got the address. Um, I brought him to his first meeting, and I dropped him off, and I left, and I went basically to go binge. And um, I came back an hour and a half later, and he was a different human being when I picked him up. He was just... there was light in his eyes. He smiled. He was happy. Something was different about him. You know, Bill talks about Ebby Thatcher and, and, you know, the whole idea of fresh skinned and glowing. Um, Well, Ira, my brother, wasn't fresh skinned and glowing by any means at that point. However, there was a major, major difference. And it, it was a difference just in an hour and a half of me dropping him off and him just being miserable to me picking him up and just being a different human being. So, so what else? So what happened basically was he told me all these stories 
and he told me, oh, these people are amazing, and they let me go to the front of the room, and they, they, they had me tell uh, my story, they called it, and they gave me this literature, and they say it's usually, it costs money, but, you know, we don't have any money, because uh, mom spent it all gambling, and, you know, and, and so they gave me all these, all these books and these, these pamphlets for free. And here, look at this, look at this, look at this. So, of course, I took it and drew it in the back seat. And when I got home, I handed, I handed all the literature to my mother. And I basically said, here, you know, he went to his first meeting, great. And, and then I handed her all the pamphlets and all, the, all the, um, the booklets that I was handed. And all of a sudden, I realized that I'm still holding on to the Q&A pamphlet. I don't know how I kept on to it. Maybe it was in a different hand. Maybe, uh, obviously, it was higher power's way of saying, here's, here's Scott, here's some bathroom material. Go read this so you can change your life and recover. That's really what happened, but at the time, I had no clue. And uh, so, of course, I did use it as bathroom material. I looked at the 12 steps. I saw six of the 12 steps mention God, and it freaked me out. Um, and I asked him, do they pray? Do they, do they talk about God? And he, he said, no. And, you know, again, um, there was a serenity. I can tell you now that I know that there was a serenity prayer that people, I'm sure, talked about God that's personal to them. But in his mind, at that point, it wasn't like the Jewish God that we grew up with. And, um, and so he, he uh, that, that's sort of where I'm going to stop with him, except to tell you that it's, it's 25 years later and he hasn't um, binged or purged in that time, and he never stayed in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, a lot of people say that he, a lot of my personal friends say that he came into Overeaters Anonymous. That was God's way of getting me in. And then he went on a different path and of course found, you know, the other roots of therapy and cognitive and and, and this and that to uh, to get himself better um, with his with his mental illness as well as, as the spiritual malady. So, but in any case, so that's 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 where I found Overeaters Anonymous, and that's that's where my first connection to higher power, or my first idea of higher power, was, and it scared me, it absolutely scared me, and but uh, I did go to I I asked my mother at that point I said Mom do you think I need this program you know my aunt is an Alcoholics Anonymous and it really seems to help her, and she says well no Iris six Scott you know better, and I realized that I didn't know better. I wasn't going to get better. I was going to get worse because that's all the, this literature told me. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go to the next meeting in the Bronx, which was, of course, two days later on a Thursday. And it was June 6th of 1991. And that was my very first meeting. And again, they, they talked about God. They did. You know, the meeting started and all these people, all these women, they were all women, except for me and my brother, stood, stood up. And we, they said this, this prayer that they call the Sarandi prayer. And I looked at that, and it, it kind of freaked me out. As, um, you know, I, I thought God, I thought I was a goner when it came to God. And without going into a huge, long diatribe, the, the bottom line was I was sent to a religious school when I was, um, when I was 12, and it was a full-time religious school, and my mom wanted to get me out of the public school system because I was fat, white, and Jewish in the Bronx and was, was beaten up daily and, and threatened and, you know, and bullied. So um, they wanted me out, so I went to this religious school that, that reached out to my mother. And in this, you know, going to this religious school, I, 
I basically found out that in order for me to, to fit in, I needed to fake being religious. So by faking being religious and pretending to be an observant um, Jewish person, it, it, it gave me sort of a camaraderie between these people, except for the fact that I knew that I was sinning because it wasn't, there was not anything real connected to it. And so I came into program basically running from God. I was scared to death. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that I was a sinner. And the way that it was told to me was that if I knew that I was sinning, I was going to hell. And if I, excuse me, I, I was going to hell if I sinned. And then if I knew that I was sinning, then it was going to be 10 times worse. And those of you who are, who, you know, come from this background know what I'm talking about. Um, I know I could say the same thing about Catholics and, um, and I sponsored a lot of people um, of that nature. But in any case, the, the key for me is that I, I saw, and I'll just get to the bottom line, and I basically saw that, that I wanted what all of you had. And if all of you can do it, then I certainly can do it. And the final piece to that is and was that I was told that I could have a God personal to me. You know, not my first week in program. I'm making this all sound like it was my first week. It's certainly not. But the, the bottom line for me is that uh, I, I, was, I was told that I needed to, to let go of the higher power I had coming into program and find a new one. And it does work because it started working on all of you. I was lucky enough to be introduced to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous very early in my recovery. Um, it, without going into a long, long, long story, you know, which I'm really good at, um, I will tell you that, that for me, my higher power today is the most important thing in my life. But if you really ask me to describe God, I, I would tell you that it's three letters in one syllable and it's a very loaded word that, that for the most part is really just something that's greater than me. And it's not me. That, that's really what higher power boils down to for me. It's not me. So as long as it's not me and it's something that's greater than me and something that's going to carry me through my life and something that's going to be way more powerful than any disease, you know, food, alcohol, women, um, uh, gambling, drugs, you name it, um, it, as long as it's going to be more powerful than that, then I can align myself with it and, and live a life of what they call, what we like to call sane and happy usefulness. And um, so, let's see, what else? What else can I tell you to, uh, to set this up today? Um, I was sent through the steps right away. And, you know, when you look at the big book, the way that, that the steps are broken down, the first, the big book spends 87 pages to get us through steps one and two. If you look at page 60, it says being convinced we are now, you know, now we are now at step three. Okay, so between all the Roman numeral pages and the numbered pages, it takes about 87 pages to get us through steps one and two, and then between 60 and 100 and 103, it takes 43 pages to get us through steps. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Okay, so just then, just that information right there shows you how powerful and how important steps one and two are as as a foundation and as really discussing the problem and the solution. Okay, and I know that this is a step ten in the step eleven workshop, 
but I can't really go through steps 10 and 11 without giving you guys a basic understanding of who I am and, and what the disease is for me and, and how I can carry this through, throughout my day utilizing the tools on pages 84 through 88, okay? So if step one is the problem, and step one basically tells me that I have, I have a, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, okay? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. There'll be plenty of time for Q&A. And um, I'm going to give my phone number a few times during the talk. I'll give it right now. It's 718-440-4776. Again, 718-440-4776. Um, it's East Coast. Call me whenever. Leave a message if you get my voicemail. But in any case, and I'll leave it a few more times. But the, the key is, is that it, it's an allergy of the body. I, I realize that I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. So if you can imagine, imagine a white piece of, of, of paper, typing paper, eight and a half by 11, right? It's a big, you know, eight and a half by 11 by a piece of, of white paper. Now take the very upper tip of the left corner and tear off that tip, okay? So that you're basically tearing about 3% of the page off in one little rip, all right? That little 3% that you're holding in your left hand as you rip off the top of the page, that's the, if that entire page is my life and me, if that whole page is my life, imagine that little 3% piece of paper, imagine that being the food and imagine that being the allergy. Okay, and then imagine the other 97% of the page as, as me, you know, as the rest of me. Um, I was taught early on that if, if, I, if I spend more than 3 to 5% of my recovery dealing with the food, then I'm in trouble. And, you know, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. However, I, I just, I, I have to say that, that this is not a diet and calories club. You know, we, there, there's certainly um, a lot of experience out there with people who lost weight and gained weight and this weight and that weight. And, and of course, that's what gets us in the door. But, you know, an alcoholic doesn't wake up in the morning, call their sponsor and say, well, you know, hey, sponsor, I'm going to have milk and juice and coffee and tea and water today. You know, so to me, I don't necessarily turn over my food and tell my sponsor what I'm going to have and what I'm not going to have. However, I do need to find out what my allergic foods are, and I do need to figure out what a food plan is for me. And, and by creating this list of alcoholic quote-unquote foods, I then have a game plan of what to not put in my body to trigger me, okay? So this, again, this is all done in the very, very beginning of our programs. Um, and excuse me, I'll talk to myself. It was done in the beginning of my program. So once I get this list of alcoholic foods out of the way, what's going to end up happening then is I... Um, I now have Scott to deal with, okay? I, I dealt with that 3% right away, figured out what the alcoholic foods are, figured out what the, what the um, allergy is. So if that allergy is never triggered, then I only have me to deal with, right? So if, if again, if that allergy is, not, is, is um, not triggered and I go about my life, and I get cut off in the car or somebody important to me gets hurt and is in the hospital 
or some major, some other major um, challenging thing happens to me, the difference, what differentiates us from the the Weight Watchers and the Jenny Craigs and the Slim Fasts and the uh, uh, this diet and that diet and the other diet, and you know the Twelve Steps and Overeaters Anonymous, is the fact that we have a program of action to deal with the obsession of the mind. Okay. We have a program of action that helps me deal with my life when it becomes restless, irritable, and discontented, as the doctor's opinion tells us. Because as soon as, um, with a dieter, let's say, um, as soon as, as the, the SH hits the fan, if you know what I mean, they're going to immediately, typically, go out and, and console themselves with food. And it's, always gonna, it's never going to be the food that's going to fill my meals. That food I'm going to reach out to when I'm in pain and I'm in trouble is always going to be the foods that are on my quote-unquote alcoholic list, alcoholic foods list. And then, of course, that, that's going to start the whole cycle into motion again. So I'm sure a lot of you are nodding your heads and you understand what I'm saying. And if you don't, again, you have my number. I'll be, I'll be repeating it as will Larry before we, we close today. But the, the key for me is understanding what the allergy of the body is, what the obsession of the mind is. An allergy... It's an abnormal reaction to something. The obs- an obsession is an idea that rules out all other ideas to the contrary. I'll say that again slowly. An allergy is an abnormal reaction to something. In this case, it's food or, or, or um, um, it's food behaviors that lead me and trigger me. Okay? Um, an obsession is an idea that rules out all other ideas to the contrary. So once I discover... Uh, what my, what my allergic foods are and what my allergy triggers are, all I have to do now is, is do the rest of the steps because that's, that's the game changer, right? Steps 10 and 11, in my opinion, need to be worked as soon as somebody starts program. Um, and again, there's, a, there's, there's multiple sides of the fence here. Not everybody agrees with this. I can only give you my own experience and the way I was taught. But I was taught that steps 10 and 11 need to be worked as soon as, as soon as we get through Bill's story. As soon as we get through the doctor's opinion and then get into Bill's story and get through page 13 and 14 where, you know, Bill goes through the steps and then also discusses all the different pieces of, of uh, recovery life. And, and the, the idea of being recovered and then turning around and, and helping others, that, you know, these steps 10 and 11 need to be worked immediately. You know, on, on page 84, real quick, and we're going to go into this in detail in a few minutes, but the idea uh, on page 84 where it says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. Excuse me. As we cleaned up the past, it's very operative right here. Because if why do I need to go along and create new issues, create new resentments, and, and find new challenges that are just going to be added to an inventory later on? So I was taught that I need to start living steps 10 and 11 to the best of my ability with a sponsor until I get to, the, to that point in the steps. Okay? And I, I, for one, never call them the maintenance steps. I was taught that they are the growth steps. You know, step 10, the key word of step 10 is, is continue. Um, on, again, on page 84, where you have the 10th the step, what I call the 10th step paragraph, where it says this, th- this thought brings us to step 10. The, the idea of that paragraph, they use the word continue four times in that paragraph. Um, Bill, again, Bill Wilson is the, was the um, primary author 
of, of the first 164 pages. And he was taught to never use the same word more than once in a paragraph, or certainly not in a sentence. Well, he used the word continue four times in one paragraph. So it must be really important. Step 11 talks about um, to grow. And it talks about um, sought through prayer meditation, not to grow, excuse me, to improve, which is the same thing. Um, step 11 talks about improving. So the keyword to step 10 is continue. The keyword to step 11 is, is um, improve. And the keyword, of course, to step 12 is practice. So continue, improve, practice, continue, improve, practice, rinse, wash, repeat, etc. So in any case, the, um, if step one is the problem, and I realize I have this allergy in the body and the obsession of the mind, then step two is the solution. Coming to believe that this power that's greater than me can restore me to sanity. And that's the problem, and that's the solution right there in a nutshell. And steps three through nine are the quote-unquote boot camp um, that, that I talked about earlier. And it's, it's the way that I'm going to connect with my higher power. Uh, it's the way that I'm going to get all the things that are blocking me from, from being one with that higher power. And, and it's, it's um, just the, this incredible program of action that I really never need to repeat again. Once I do my first two steps and I learn about steps one and two, and continue to learn while I'm teaching others this, this process by going through the big book over and over and over and over and over again. Um, once I do that, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing stuff because as long as I have steps 10 and 11 in my life, I never have to do steps 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, or 9 ever. Because if, if I'm abstinent today, right, and I'm recovered today, meaning that God is way more powerful than the food. You know, again, on page 85, uh, 84 and 85, you have what they call the 10-step promises. Um, you know, it, it talks about the, um, the problem has been removed. Uh, it talks about it doesn't exist for us. It talks about not being cocky or afraid. You know, all these things that it's talking about is really there because, because God is way more powerful. If, if my... Um, if I'm in fit spiritual condition, then there's nothing that food can ever do to me. Um, because if God's in my life and God is, and I make God the most important thing in my life, then I, there's nothing that can ever happen to me. Because I won't ever go back to compulsively overeating for today. Um, I hope that makes sense. So, um, let's see. So, if I, again, step one is the problem, step two is a solution, three through nine is our boot camp, is, is the way of, you know, in step three, um, making that decision uh, to, to align my, my thoughts and my will to higher power, right? Step, you know, and the action of step three is step four, as we know. The action, you know, that decision that we make in step three, the action of the decision is the inventory, okay? And then we share that inventory in step five. And then we become up close and personal with our character defects in steps six and seven. And we ask God to remove them or at least to make them smaller in our lives. Because I'm one of those believers that the character defects never really disappear. Um, I'm a believer in the idea that, that our character defects, we just become a lot more aware of them. So when I'm lying to you, I can look, 
you know, basically I'm looking right through you and I see behind you in big, bold, neon letters, lying, he's lying, because that's, that's what I did. And, and in, of course, steps eight and nine, I, I found the, the people who I harmed, people, places, institutions, principles, et cetera, that I harmed, and I, I went and I made amends to those people. So as soon as I start learning about step one in the doctor's opinion and Bill's story and, of course, the forwards and all the history, et cetera, once I did that, then I start reading pages 84 through 88 every single day. Okay, this is now, now we're going to focus on the, the topic of the day. I needed to go through all the other stuff and give you my life, you know, give you my story as well as the, um, the, the notion of beginning to ha- how these steps uh, coagulate and congeal together. And the way that they're, they're, they're so cyclical, it, it's just a, an amazing process. And, and, you know, it's just like listening to the most perfect song in the world and you just imagine yourself who the heck can write this? This is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, you know, for me, the big book is the most amazing book I've ever read in my life. And, and it just, it's so meaningful to me. And every single word in it is just so powerful. I can't imagine it being any different. You know, it's sort of like The Godfather in, in movies, etc. Um, that was a joke. So in any case, the... the um, if I've gone through the boot camp of steps three through three through nine after learning about the problem in step one and learning about the solution in step two, then I could do no wrong at this point and I can move forward a free man. All right. Let's take a look at page 84. We're going to be in the middle of the page where it says this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to, to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the records, as we cleaned up the past, excuse me. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It must continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. When these crop up, not if, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and we, take a, we make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we, could be, um, someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So let's break down this paragraph, and let's talk about some ways that, that we deal with, with our recovery on a daily basis, and we can deal with the principles that are in this paragraph on an everyday basis while we're going through the other steps. Um, if we're beginners, if we're going through the steps for the first time with, you know, through the big book, or if we're taking somebody else through and we're showing somebody else how to get through and how to practice step 10 on an everyday basis while, you know, while we're growing in our, in our daily recovery and our sponsees are, are just learning about this process in the first place, okay? So if you notice, they break down the entire universe of character defects into four primary character defects. Okay, it says, it says, um, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. All right, it takes, you know, there's people who get really creative with words. Um, I'm not one of them. I'm pretty simple. I try to, I try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, And the, the bottom line for me 
is that if I'm looking at, at the, the world of character defects, and again, what is a character defect? A character defect, the definition of a character defect, um, what I was taught at least, was um, an action that brings me further away from, an action that when put into practice brings me, brings me away from my higher power. Um, that's what a character defect is. It's something that when put into practice brings me away from my higher power. Okay, just like a, an asset is something that when put into practice brings me closer to my higher power. So um, I now have a list, a very simple list of four items that I just need to look out for because everything, every single character defect you can possibly imagine will fall into selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear. All right? Um, and again, the other thing I'll say is that if, if there's anything you disagree with, with me, feel free to ask me uh, on the Q&A at the end. And if we still can't resolve it on the call, feel free to call me personally. And then if we still can't, then by all means, forget about what I'm saying and go with what you've been taught in the big book. Okay? Um, I'm not here to cause any controversies or, or be belligerent and argumentative. Uh, I'm just here to share what I was taught and what helps me live my life um, being abstinent from compulsive upgrading and, and maintain almost a 300-pound weight release. So <clears throat> I continue to look for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. All right? um, those four items, I call them buckets, um, that basically every single character defect will fall into one of these four buckets. And when I look for these things, it tells me when these, when these crop up. And again, I said this earlier when I was reading it, it's not if these crop up, it's when these crop up. It, it's an amazing thing that, um, again, I, I have such a super awareness of what the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear mean to me that it can still be in my life, but I can still be recovered today and free. Okay? So um, the big book now tells me, we, a little earlier in the paragraph, it says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We talked about that earlier, um, that the idea of starting to live this way of life and reading these pages and, and doing an inventory, which we'll get to um, when, we, when we're discussing step 11 in a couple of minutes. Um, once we start doing this on a regular everyday basis, it, it really creates a bond with my higher power and really basically is, is a preventative to compulsively acting out with anything, any disease, any drug, any, any action that's going to hurt myself, okay? So um, the other thing I love about this paragraph is that it's not something we do at the end of the day. It's something that we do immediately when it happens, and then we move forward, okay? It's, if you look at the last four sentences, uh, or four or five sentences, it says, continue to watch yourself selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear when these crop up. We ask God, okay, at once. Um, fourth line, one, two, three, fifth line from the bottom, it says, it, this, this, the sentence um, the, starts with, these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. The next line, right underneath the words at once, to the right, it says, immediately. We discuss them with someone immediately. And then underneath the word immediately to the left, it uses the words quickly. All right? So in, in those three little lines, it says, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly 
if we've harmed anyone. So that, that basically tells me that I need to start doing these things. That we, I need to start keeping this, this spot check inventory and sharing it with, with a sponsor or a trusted friend in program. Um, and I need to do it right away as soon as it happens. I can't let this stuff fester. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast and I only woke and I woke up about an hour ago. So, you know, imagine me trying to do something for an entire day and remember every little thing. I can't. So the bottom line for me is I need to, to do this spot check inventory when it happens, as it happens, and then I move forward with my day. All right. So and then the last sentence says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And it says love and tolerance of others was our code. And that word resolutely is so, so important and meaningful for us. Um, it's, just, it's just absolutely amazing and fantastic. I, um, you know, the, the, the key to, um, why, why, does, why do we need to resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help? Uh, the way it was taught to me was that I need to get out of my head at this point. If I if I continue to watch the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, um, and you know, once these cropped up, I you know, again, go go deal with it at once, immediately, quickly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. What that does is it gets me out of my head. It stops me from beating up on myself and helps me move about my day. All right. So that's the beauty of step 10, and that's what this whole paragraph is about. And now what it's going to do is it gives us a bunch of promises, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on except for to share a couple of them. It says we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. That's an amazing promise right there. That promise to tell me that sanity will return. You know, some people, are, some people say that they never had it in the first place. Um, but for me personally, the idea of, wow, I can actually be restored and I can be normal again and I can be human again um, and, and not be a slave to the food ever again, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So the, the, the idea is I'll seldom be interested in compulsive eating. You know, they use the word liquor here, but uh, of course this is the Alcoholics Anonymous book. Uh, it tells me when I'm tempted, I recoil from it. I don't need it in my life anymore. If God is way more powerful than the food, then I don't need, I don't need it anymore. Um, it tells me that it, it's happened automatically. <clears throat> um, it continues to tell me that it just comes. That's the miracle of it. It says that I'm not fighting it, nor am I avoiding temptation. Uh, it tells me that I'm, I'm in a position of neutrality when it comes to the food. Um, these promises are amazing. Because again, this is where, for me, this is where the idea of being recovered comes from. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of newcomers that come into our, our meetings every day and then, of course, join our, our weekend meetings or, or listen to it, et cetera, et cetera, go through the steps with one of us and become recovered today. Now, that doesn't mean that they're, not, that they're mature. There's still a lot of growing to do in, in our program. However, all that's telling me is that now... I've connected with higher power. I have a clear path to higher power. And now I have a mechanism in place through my 10th step where that, that the connection and the path to higher power is clear. So how am I going to keep it clear? This is, this is the dilemma. Step 11 is what's going to help me keep it clear. All right. Step 10 
is what gets you know is what gives me the opportunity to to have that that connection with with higher power um, and what step eleven is going to do for me now is help me keep it clear okay so the very next paragraph after these promises, it says it's easy to let up on a spiritual program of action and rest on laurels, rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And that's the absolute 100% truth. I wake up every day in, in, you know, in my life untreated, I have a disease that, that wakes me up every day untreated, and I need to treat this disease. The way that I treat this disease is by taking my medicine and by doing what's been prescribed to me. And the main thing, my main medicine is prayer and meditation. And that's what step 11 does for me. All right. Um, the, the bottom of the page on page 85 says step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on the matter of prayer. Better men than us are using it constantly. Um, it works if we have the proper attitude to work at it. It would be easy to, to be vague. Excuse me. It would be easy. I, I can't read today. I'm sorry, guys. It would be easy to be vague about this matter. Yet we believe that we, have some, we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. All right. Now, this is where the nightly inventory comes from. This is where the, this inventory that you hear about in our programs, this is where it comes from. If you read the OA literature, the OA literature basically tells you that we do our nightly inventory with step 10. Um, in this literature, which is the basic text, uh, our big book, it's telling me that, that I, am, I, I need to do this in, through my step 11. Well, let's, let's take a peek and let's figure out why I need to do this. It tells me where we... Um, where, um, excuse me, we cons we re when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Where were we? Resentment, resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid. Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it brings us basically through about 11 questions um, plus an optional prayer or two um, and, and figuring out... Um, things that have made me proud today, figuring out things that, that I'm grateful for. Uh, it's just absolutely fantastic uh, how this inventory really cleans me up and helps me live my life on a regular basis. You know, a lot of married couples, uh, I remember there was an episode of Family Ties or The Cosby Show or something when, you know, back in the 80s, uh, maybe it was Happy Days or something where married couples shouldn't go to bed angry you know, and Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham from Happy Days talked about never going to bed angry. Um, well, I, I sort of use that analogy in my recovery in the sense of I don't go to bed resentful. I don't go to bed owing an apology. I don't go to bed selfish um, without having a plan of action around that selfishness. So with step 10, excuse me, with, with this step 11 right here on page 86 is doing for me is it gives me the, the idea that I can now live my life free of all these things, right? If we, we went through the boot camp, we got through these things, we got through our resentments and fears and all the challenges that we're having. Um, we just learned about step 10 and we just learned about how, you know, we can continue living this way of life that we never have to compulsively overeat again. 
Well, the way that that happens is by doing this review and giving this review to higher power. Yeah, we do write out this review. We do give it to our sponsors. But for the most part, I look at it as giving this, this inventory, this nightly inventory to my higher power and my sponsor is the witness. Just like in step five, if you remember, it, it says um, um, with step five, it talks about admitting to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of, of our wrongs. Well, for this, you know, with step five, the reason why they put God to ourselves and to another human being um, in that order is because we're really giving our inventories to higher power. And we're, by doing that, we're admitting it to ourselves. And by doing that, we're now also, um, we're, we're being adults and we're getting past the shame and the ego and we're sharing it with another person. All right, it's the same thing as step 11. I share, I, when I write out my inventory and I do it every night, when I do my inventory, I turn around and I do it as if it's being written to God and I share it with, with an action buddy on an everyday basis. We share each other's inventories on an everyday basis. Okay, so I, I do this, I make sure to do this every single day and I, I need to do it because I can't carry resentments and fears and I can't carry um, uh, amends that I need to make and I, I can't drift, you know, they talk about drifting into worry, remorse, morbid reflection. Do you remember that little piece of paper that we talked about in the beginning and where we ripped off the upper 3% of the upper left corner? Well, that other 97%, this is where that 97% is being dealt with through steps 10 and 11 on a regular basis. Though those two steps, steps 10 and 11, help me live my life and help me keep that, that 97% of, of that page on the straight and narrow. And um, so I do this inventory every single day. Um, what I do is I, I have a, I created a form for it. Um, I do a lot of big book studies. I travel all over the country um, from time to time, and I've actually gone international, and I've shared um, the, the inventories, and I share like, you know, the, the way that I do my inventory on a regular basis. Um, I actually have a, a set copy of it that I can email to any one of you. So after, the, after today, just text me your, your email address, and let's communicate, and I'll send it to you. Um, but, but all it is is just basically these, these questions on page 86 here, and, and um, it, it, it's just a way for us to connect on a, on a nightly basis, okay? So the next paragraph talks about on awakening, let us look, uh, let, let us think about the 24 hours ahead, all right? I'm laughing at this because one of the questions I ask my sponsees uh, immediately um, is why, why does it mention retiring at night first? And then it talks about on awakening. I never understood that part. Well, what I was thinking, what, what my answer to that is that if I'm reading this now at 929 in the morning East Coast time, well, guess what? The next thing I'm going to be doing is going to sleep when it's time for me to go to sleep. Uh, I'm, go, I'm not going to be waking up because I, I'm already awake. So it's a very simple answer. I, you know, I, when, when people ask me big book questions, when people go through stuff with me, not, not if they're even trying to stump me, but what, what some people do is they, they try to, we as, 
as addicts, we try to we try to make things as as complicated as possible. Well, I do the opposite of that. I really do my best to try to keep it as simple as possible. And I, what I've done over the last 25 years of studying this book is to really find great analogies that help me live my life without without it being so friggin' confusing. So the the key for this this next paragraph is on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Not the next 16 hours that I'm going to be awake, but the 24 hours. All right, a lot of people think about their days in the sense of they wake up at 7 in the morning and they go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, and it's all those hours, you know, that are in between minus um, these, these eight hours that, uh, that I, I was sleeping. Well, what I was taught was is to take every single word in this book literally and to look at the next 24 hours, not the next 16. Because what happens if a situation like last night happened? What happened last night? Well, I got, you know, I was taking notes and I was preparing for this meeting today, and I woke myself up a whole bunch of times while I was sleeping. That I barely, if I can maybe, if I piece together four hours of sleep, that, that's a lot. I'm going to call that a lot being for last night. All right? So... The the bottom line is, is that I never know what's going to happen next. So when I prepare my days, I need to prepare 24 hours at a time, not 16 hours, not 15 hours, not eight hours. I need to do it one day at a time. And, you know, a lot of people prepare their food in advance. Other people prepare different business meetings and make calendars and 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 do different things on the computers for a day or, or a week in advance. To me personally, I like to follow this this to the letter and focus on 24 hours, all right? Um, it tells me that I ask God to please um, divorce me from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Um, it says before... Oh, no, I just read that. I'm sorry. And the next, the next sentence says, under these conditions, can we employ our mental faculties with, the, with assurance... For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So, you know, it's a pretty amazing process. Um, the next paragraph really brings in the idea of meditation. And um, I'm looking for something. I should have prepared for this better. Uh, I'm looking through my phone. Okay, here it is. Uh, I... I do a big book study. Um, we do it about four times a year. It's a 13-week big book study. Um, if you're in the New York City area, let me know. We, we're actually starting a new one up in the beginning of April, end of March, beginning of April. But the bottom line is is, is one of the things that we have uh, in our big book study is a 1930s dictionary because, you know, we look at, we look at the book as how important it is to to see what the the um, criteria was for the, the stuff that he's writing for the things that that Bill wrote, all right. One of the things that's a big difference between then and now is meditation, all right. Um, the idea of meditation, and I'm stalling while I'm looking for this. Okay. The idea of meditation, you know, when we think of meditating today, we think of somebody sitting cross, like Indian style on the floor with their hands together, maybe going, um, you know, something goofy like that, or it's just a way for us to relax, or 
or we do this, we do that. There's a billion different ways to meditate. In the 1937 dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, it defines meditation as the act of thinking long and deeply, especially such thought, uh, especially such thought as part of one's prayers or devotion. And the, what I was taught was the the idea of meditation the way it was back in the 30s. It was sort of how a captain or how a, a king wakes up dreaming of war and how they're going to win the war that day um, with his people and with, with the other kingdoms. Um, so it, it really had nothing to do with this whole um, idea of the meditation that's out there and people wearing all sorts of goofy clothing and doing this and doing that. All it is is just basic deep thought. And for me, one of the things I typically do is I take advantage of the rest of this paragraph um, that, that says that when I put God in front of all else and in front of everything and bring God into every aspect of my meditation, um, it, it does say that we might pay for this presumption in, in all sorts of uh, absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration and we come to rely on it. Um, so the, the idea of meditation, when I, I'm lucky enough before I came into program, I, I was taught martial arts as a kid, even as a fat kid, uh, I was taught it. And I, one, one part of what I was taught was the idea of, of meditating before I did any sort of breaks, you know, like break bricks and break boards, et cetera, et cetera. So lucky, lucky for me is that I, I was living in Las Vegas a few years ago, um, getting, I moved to Las Vegas for, you know, for business opportunity and for this and for that. And while I was there, I was recovering. I, that's where I, I got accident again. And that's where I, I was reconnected to higher power. And, excuse me, and, um, and I, I um, bumped into the same person who taught me meditation as a kid. He actually has a dojo, you know, a martial arts studio in Las Vegas. And I started connecting with him again. And he really, you know, we, we sat together and he, he really revisited a lot of the things that he taught me as a kid that I can now bring into my life as an adult. So what I do now is, is an open-eye Chinese martial art meditation that, you know, somebody like Bruce Lee who, who does Kung Fu, that, that's, it's a Kung Fu meditation. It's, it's a Wing Chun Kung Fu meditation. It's a style of, of Kung Fu. And, um, so I, uh, I, I am able to use that and utilize it with my recovery. It's basically an open eye style of meditation. Um, and I'll be happy to go over it with anybody privately. But again, that's an outside interest. I don't want to spend a lot of time. But, um, and I do need to close in a moment. But um, the, as, long as, I'm, as long as I'm keeping my ears open and letting higher power come in through every single, uh, every single action and reaction that I have in my life, it's a pretty amazing, amazing thing. And let's see, just in closing, I wanted to thank you guys very much for giving me this opportunity. I know I left a billion things out of what I wanted to say today, but because of you know my whole um, sleeping late and, and doing this and doing that, um, I, I'm sure I'll get an opportunity to answer some of these questions uh, as we move forward in the questions and answers period. Um, and I really appreciate it. Again, my name is Scott. 
My phone number is 718-440-4776. And I'm from New York City. You can call me anytime. Feel free to leave a message. Please try to keep it brief. And, uh, and I'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you again. Scott, thank you so very much for your, uh, for your, your words this morning. We really appreciate that. So we're going to um, open it up to questions and answers. Before I do that, just let me say um, that, you know, if you could keep your phone muted um, until you're uh, ready to, to ask the question, um, this way we can, we can, uh, we can hear uh, you and we can hear Scott better. So with that, let me uh, open it up. Who would like to, uh, to ask, who has a question for Scotty? Virginia C. Hey, hey Virginia. Virginia. How are I'm you, Virginia? Sorry, Scotty. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Virginia. Do, do you want me to shut up and just you? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, that's okay, Scott. Hey, we'll make it work. Virginia, you're up. Okay. Hey, thanks, Scotty, for the presentation. I um, wanted to actually ask um, maybe for your experience or suggestions on being on the receiving end of a step 10. Um, I'm always a little uncertain on how much I'm supposed to say, how much I'm supposed to offer, and how much I'm just supposed to shut up and listen. So I'd be curious to see how what you do when someone's giving you a step 10. Um, thank you for the question. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's, it, it takes experience. Um, and I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, like a typical guy, you know, we want to fix everything right away. So a lot of times when I hear somebody talk about something, I'll try to immediately, you know, get them to get to the point and we can talk about it. We can get to the nitty gritty, find where to best apply the steps and move forward. But I've discovered through experience that uh, the best way um, for me to help somebody through their step 10 is by helping them connect with their inner intuition and their connection to their higher powers as opposed to giving them you know, what I think the answer is, I don't know, three quarters of, or, or 90% of what they're discussing. They, they know, you know, all the different aspects and pieces of it. All I am is just a vessel. Again, I'm the witness here while that person is working out a situation. Does that make sense? Thank, thanks for the question, Virginia. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, you bet. <clears throat> Tell you what, Scotty, I'm going to open up, see if there's a few other people. Who else would like, who else has a question for Scotty this morning? Press star one to unmute your phone. Hi, Erin. I have a quick comment, actually, if I may. Okay, who's that? Um, I'm Erin. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, Scotty, I just wanted to say thanks so much for your share and um, the really thorough explanation of Doing step 10, um, we spoke not too long ago, and you mentioned the 84 through 88 pages to read um, on a nightly basis, and I just want to say that that has made a huge impact. So um, I really appreciate the, um, the suggestion, and I just want to say that for anyone else who's wondering, doing that on a nightly basis does change um, my relationship with food and abstinence and helps me to gain a better connection with my higher power. So thanks again for your share. Oh, thanks, Aaron. You know, I love you. Thank you, Aaron. And again, if you could keep your phone muted until you're, you're ready to, to ask a question or comment for, for Scotty, um, who else would like to, uh, to jump in? This is Nancy G. 
Okay, I, I tell you what, I heard Sarah W. and I heard Nancy G. Why don't we go with Sarah and then Nancy. Sarah? Uh, good morning. Thanks, Larry, for your service. Good morning, Scotty. Thanks so much. Really appreciate hearing you this morning. Um, I have a question about, you know, I'm a, I'm a registered nurse, and I a lot of times um, an, a resentment or an anxiety or discomfort may come up when I'm at work. And I think it happens for a lot of people. And I'm not really in a place where I can do a spot check inventory right away. I'm with a patient. Um, I can't leave. Um, and, you know, the way that we can, uh, you know, I know for myself, one of the things I do is I breathe uh, and I try to bring my higher power into it, try to see that person through God's eyes instead of um, through negativity. But I'm wondering if you have any uh, thoughts on that that might be helpful. Thanks. Um, sure. Well, you know, again, just with with the spot check inventory, um, with the step ten inventory, I should say. And again, I you know, it's a spot check inventory. Um, I find, for me personally, that I don't necessarily need to do the entire steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine on every single little issue that comes up. Sometimes it's just a little quick prayers. You know, thy will be done. Um, you know, again, I understand you're a nurse. Um, well, I mean, I've spent a lot of times in hospitals over the last couple of years. Unfortunately, I've had some medical issues, and I, I could just imagine, you know, being there and having some unruly patient yell or scream at me or or try to say this and try to say that. Um, and if I'm, yeah, I can imagine them possibly being resentful at a situation like that. Well, I can also imagine them saying, all right, well, you know, obviously I can't leave the room right now, call a sponsor, call a friend, do this, do that. But what I can do is pray for the person and, you know, give them the sick, sick man's prayer, um, just like we typically do with, with resentments. You know, it's on page 65, 66, 67 um, in the big book. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how sometimes, you know, that, that little action and realizing that that the person is is spiritually sick, and that's why they're they're um, you know lashing out or acting out. Um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes we're going to have to save it up a little bit, or we're just going to have to say, God, you got this one, and I can't deal with it right now. But guess what? I'm human, and it'll probably happen again. And when when God's ready for me to deal with it, I'll deal with it whenever. You know, we just need to be realistic with these things and just move forward with with our recovery lives because not every situation is going to be the perfect one. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Sarah and Scotty, for the for the great answer there. Um, Nancy G, you're up. Thank you. Hi, Scott. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. Um, what would you say to someone who has been in and out of, you know, the revolving door of um relapse it's um it's very distressing and um i don't know i um that's where i i've been in the past few years and um just wanted to hear what you tell people when they come in and you sponsor someone who's been in and out of relapse well um the first thing uh again i felt a little rushed today i it wasn't i don't feel like it was you know the best flow that i i gave as a talk but you know obviously i said what higher power needed to be said today, um, but putting that aside, the thing I always say in every single meeting I qualify at, and I'll say it right now, is that it's 9.45 on the East Coast uh, here in, in New York City. So what that means is that it's 9.45 in the morning 
And I don't care what you ate before you came and, and dialed into this meeting. I don't care what you're eating right now, having the meeting on mute. I don't care what you did in the bathroom or in the kitchen sink before this meeting. It doesn't mean that you can't be abstinent right now for the rest of your life one day at a time, immediately. Uh, abstinence happens like that. It's not, again, we're not a diet and calories club. It's something that, that is just going to happen immediately. This is, it's just going to happen. When I, when I got this abstinence and, and I went all the way back up through relapse, all the way back up and then, then some to over 508 pounds, um, I thought I'd be dead. And uh, it was March 6th of 2003, and I was talking to my sponsor like I did every morning, and I knew that she was getting frustrated with me, um, but I kind of felt different that day. For some reason, something just clicked, and I got on my knees, and I said the serenity prayer like I did every morning with her on the phone, and I, uh, I then, you know, I cried. Instead of just saying the serenity prayer, you know, like I can say backwards, forwards, and upside down, with words introverted and non introverted, et cetera, et cetera, um, I started crying. And I said, wow, something is different. Well, that, you know, serenity prayer turned into almost 13 years of back to back abstinence, and God willing, we'll be here for the rest of my life. But the other thing was, was I also discovered in program that God is way more interested in my character than my comfort. And the first week of abstinence absolutely sucks because guess what? We're dealing with allergy. We're dealing with that allergy. And if, if we're dealing with all the stuff that we've stuffed into our bodies and put into our bodies and hurt ourselves with, then guess what? It's going to have to come out of us eventually if we want to get better. So it's going to suck and it's going to be uncomfortable because that's what happened. I cried. I was upset. Um, I, I felt like everything was, was gonna, I was going to die. And I said, now what? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I feel like you know, I'm crying and I'm upset and I'm this and I'm that. She says, you go about your life. And I said, well, what do I eat? And she says, you know, I don't care if you have an elephant for breakfast or a rhinoceros for lunch and a hippopotamus for dinner, three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time, take it, run with it, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. And, you know, I just need basic, simple, stupid instructions and guess what? I had, uh, I probably ate a heavier meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but that was the first absence I had getting out of relapse. And, I'm, and eventually it's been obviously honed down to the point where, where it's a manageable, livable, uh, allergy-free um, food plan. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it evolves over time. And just because you've been in and out, and not maybe you, or just because someone's been in and out of recovery doesn't mean that that their next, their, you know, they can't be absent for the rest of their lives starting right this very minute. Thank you, Scott. Sure. Thank you. Well, we have time for, for more questions. Uh, don't be scared. I know Scott is scary, but please, don't be scared. Oh. Jump right in. Who would like to share? Hello. Thanks, Lauren. F. What, what, was your name? what was your name? Anita? Vivian. Was it? Oh, Vivian. Vivian. Hi. Hi, Vivian. Go ahead. You're Hi. up. Thank you. Hi, Scotty. I want to, first of all, just thank you very much. You were such a great model of feeling and being honest about your discomfort and and getting opening yourself to God's help and being present, and here you are. So thank you so much for that. And um, I'm recently back to OA. I'm 
back six weeks in a vision for you and six weeks abstinent and just gloriously working the first three steps. However, I found myself kind of spontaneously doing some 10-step things, and I do spend a lot of time in some form of meditation and prayer, and I am recovering or cultivating a relationship with God for me and helping people. When I talk to people about this, a number of people have really cautioned me about the fact that you're supposed to do the steps in order as written. (laughs) Well, Vivian, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you, Vivian, just like I said when I shared it, um, I, I there's there's a controversy about this. Um, I personally, and again, you know, I get to give my experience today. Somebody else will, t- will share theirs next week. Um, but my experience is that I needed to do step ten and eleven while doing, you know, while redoing those other steps. You know, I needed to do it. I was taught to do it, and I was taught because I needed to. I needed to have a way of living right now so that I can live my life without compulsively overeating. It's just like that comfort versus character thing that we just talked about. How else am I going to live uncomfortable while I'm going through my inventory, while I'm going through, you know, the, the horribleness of getting, getting out of uh, relapse and going through, you know, not wanting to remedicate that allergy. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, the, the bottom line is, is, is for me, I say do it. Um, and, you know, obviously we're not going to do the entire at full, you know, step 10 and step 11 to their, their incredible potential because, you know, especially for those of us who are new, we, we, we need experience of going through this. But there's nothing wrong, like Erin was saying earlier, reading 84 through 88, starting with uh, this thought brings us to step 10 and continuing into action for the rest of the chapter. By just reading it, it gives us some ideas and some tips and some tricks to, to do. And while somebody's doing their fourth step inventory and, and sharing their fifth step and doing six and seven, I also have them doing an 11 step inventory every night. You know, and they're not, it's not rocket science. All it does is it just asks, you know, it just asks, are you resentful? Are you, you know, were you selfish? Were you angry? You know, it, it's just, it asks basic questions and it helps me not go to sleep carrying these things so I get to wake up tomorrow being 100% able to do God's will and not have to deal with all the crap that I was dealing with that, that used to make me compulsively overeat. Right. Is that, is that fair? That's very fair. And, I, Good. and thank you. And as you were, can I say one other thing? As of course. As we were talking, I realized when they wrote this book, they went through the steps so quickly that sure. it was different than... Well, when they, when they wrote this book, Vivian, when they wrote this book, there were only six steps. Um, if you go to page two, right. if you go to page two fifty eight, right. you'll see you'll see the six steps of the Oxford movement. So you know, it, it, it's just it, there was a lot of different things that went down. If you read Bill's story on page thirteen, he's not talking about going through all twelve steps. He's talking about going through six steps. Um, yeah. But you know, feel free to give me a call. We can discuss this at length. Anybody, please call me. You know, today, tomorrow, whenever, and and I'll be happy to explain you know, my methodology for this stuff. But but thank you. Thank you. This is Marla. Okay, uh, I heard Marla, and I, I believe I heard someone else. Uh, Marla, yeah. who came in after you? Vivian. 
Oh, Vivian, different Vivian than the one before? Different Vivian, right. And Gladys. Yeah. Okay, and Gladys. And Gladys. Ginger okay, C. See. And Ginger, I'll tell you who I have. I'll tell you who the, who the murderers row line up here. <laughs> we have Marla, we have Vivian, we have Gladys and Ginger. Then we'll see where we're at time-wise uh, as we're getting close, close to the hour. Marla, go ahead. Okay, hi, Scotty. Marla from Iowa. Um, thank you so much. I'm just a little uh, confused. Um, as a sponsor or a sponsee, it, uh, my confusion is that with your sponsees, um, I know our goal is to help as many people get well as possible and take them through the big book. Um, but as far as I have not up to now had my sponsees call me daily with their 10 steps, I've had sponsees do their 10 steps with other people as they come yep. up for them. Um, yep. So as far as committing time, do you have your daily sponsors call you every single day with their night? No. Well, how does, it, how does that work? No, I appreciate that. I'm, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just for the sake of time. I, I could see where your question is going. Um, when I'm bringing someone through the steps, in other words, if, if we're still going through, um, if, we're, if they're learning about one and two, if they're, if they're um, taking three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and of course living 10 and 11 until they've gotten through their seventh step and then they start, they start sponsoring. Um, and it, that's how it is in my world. Um, what I, I, I tell my sponsees, find OA buddies, find people to do 10 steps with. Um, you know, I have a sponsor who, you know, if, if every single one of her sponsees, because she, she probably has about 15 people that she does 10, 11, and 12 with on a regular, semi-regular basis. Not everybody sends inventories, not this, not that. But she also takes people through the steps all the time. And if everybody and their mother called her for every right. single fourth-step inventory, I mean, 10-step inventory, she, she'd lose her mind. So, and the same thing is with me. I, I don't have that many people. I've had as many as 12 people that I've worked with um, and only maybe four, three or four of them going through the steps. And then the rest of them are 10, 11, and 12 people who, who just check in with me. But yeah, I'm not somebody who, you know, takes a lot of 10-step calls. Um, I, I tell people, share the wealth, go to as many meetings as you can, take as many numbers as you can, connect with as many people as you can. And what that does is it opens up your, your you know, quote-unquote Rolodex um, and it really helps us to build, um, build out our recoveries and, and have a, a gigantic network. So, so it's not uh, it's not important in your eyes, and it, this is no. what I said to to have your sponsors that you took through the steps be that you're the one they're calling with their. No, life. my people send me an 11 step inventory every night, um, and I coach them on sponsoring, and they do this and they do that, and and we we have relationships. We also have get-togethers. I I have family family night dinners, and with sponsees and grand sponsees. Um, that we meet uh, usually as a diner or some sort of restaurant in Manhattan, and we do this and that with. So, but for the sake of brevity, I'm going to thank you for your question. Feel free to call me, and let's move on to the next person so we can try to get as many in here. Okay, thanks. Okay, Vivian, you're up. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Scott, for your share. It was really, really good to hear you this morning. Uh, my question is, um, actually, it's more kind of like your opinion on something. Um, how do you maintain or what do you do to work your emotional balance uh, working the program and or the difference between before and what it's like for you now? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a hard question. 
Um, without going into a lot of like medical mumbo jumbo, uh, I'll tell you that people who have lost a lot of weight, people who, who released, excuse me, a lot of weight, what ends up happening is that the serotonin in our bodies that, that help us deal with depression and things like that, oh, most of it is, being, is held in the stomach. So for somebody like me who's been, you know, who's taken off almost 300 pounds um, at different points, there is, there is certainly um, emotional issues there that are both medical as well as, as just straight up emotional. Um, and then you can either, you know, visit somebody like Larry and go visit his couch because um, that's what he does. Um, or you can just deal with, with the inventory and the process and just, you know, connect with higher power. And, but the thing is, is to the bottom line of any religion, the bottom line of any, anything is to do unto others as you would have done unto you. So if I follow that rule straight into the board, you know, then by all means, I can never, I can never fail. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It's very helpful. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for the question, Vivian. Gladys, you're up. Come to the couch, Gladys. Your turn. Yeah, this is my this is my first time coming to the live Sunday meeting, but I listen to the tapes all the time. Welcome, Gladys. And my question is, like, how do you like make it so easy to uh, identify and relate to the big? I have two questions to the big book uh, regarding. Uh, food addiction, and the other question is, in step 11, is it like a, another definition, uh, what's the definition in the uh, older dictionary for the word conscious? Um, okay, so I, I'm, not, I'm unsure, I'll, I'll work backwards, I'm unsure what, what you mean by conscious, and maybe we can talk about that offline since... I know. Uh, in the step, in step eleven. Yeah. Well, you con- all conscious means that for me, all conscious means is that I'm awake and I'm aware of what's going on. You know, just like the word moral in in the moral inventory, all that means is truthful, right? So you know, so the key is that um, as long as I'm as long as I'm fully aware that conscious contact, I'm aware of what's going on with higher power, then I can do no wrong. Um, what was the first question again, real quick? I'm sorry. The first question is like, how do you relate and understand like the? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just like, just like I was saying earlier, um, alcoholic foods, alcoholic food behaviors. You know, the first thing I do with any new sponsee, um, and what was done for me was Scott, make a list of your top ten foods that you go to that that are just your trigger foods that when you eat them you can't stop eating them, or eventually you'll go back to eating them. And then once I did that, I made a list of red light food behaviors. Um, you know, different things, uh, what I call trigger behaviors, eating with the refrigerator open, um, eating while standing on a bus, you know, eating in the car unless I have to, unless I 100% have to do it, you know, things like that. Um, and because those are all behaviors that, that were addiction behaviors for me. So um, without going into long, long details, if you listen to some of my previous qualifications, I did one on April uh, April 12th, earlier this earlier um, last year, and I went into this idea way um, way more in depth about it. So if you listen to that one and listen to the qualification on that, I really go into more detail about how the the um, alcoholic foods and the alcoholic uh, food behaviors um, really uh, can set me off into a tailspin, more, sometimes more than the foods themselves. The behaviors can really do do a number on me. 
So, but, but yeah, I treat food as I do alcohol and I treat, you know, the behaviors um, just as, as powerful as, as the food that, that I'm eating or not eating. All right. Thanks so much, Gladys. Ginger, Ginger C., you're going to be our last share, this, our last uh, question this morning. It's the birthday girl. It's her birthday, Scott. Yeah, you're up. Oh, good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. And Scott, thank you so much for your beautiful share this morning. And I just had a comment. Um, I'm just so grateful you mentioned the 10 step and doing it shortly after Bill's story because I too absolutely know that by practicing it prior to getting to step 10, it saved me from the lie and taking that bite. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that. And happy Valentine's Day to everyone on the line. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And and um, thank you. Again, my, my name is Scott. My phone number is 718-440-4776. Um, I have a lot going on this weekend, and of course tomorrow being the holiday, but leave a message if, you, if I don't pick up the phone, and I will call you back. I do return everybody's call. Um, but yeah, I, I really do truly believe in, um, in having, needing a way to live while we're going through the steps. Um, or otherwise, you know, I'm going to be dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort. So if I have a way of connecting with my higher power and connecting with my inner self with the, with the help of a sponsor, it really helps me carry my recovery through. And uh, this way I can make it happen. Scott, uh, thank you so much for, you, got it, you know, for, yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to give Scott's contact. You already gave it, so I'll give it again, uh, but sure. we'll give it also once we're done here. Scott's phone number again, 718, area code 440-4776. And thank you, Scott, for giving that on the recorded part as well. You got um, it. Okay, so we're going to close as we do by reading, let me read page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.